You guys doing good today? It is wonderful to be here. Anybody enjoy that nice, wonderful weather we had yesterday? Yeah. Anybody looking? Anybody got burnt yesterday? I know a few people got burnt. I didn't. Yeah. Of course you didn't. I'm talking to all the paley, paley white people. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. How many people brought their Bibles to church today? Raise it up. Proud if you brought that old school leather bound. Hold that up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Old school leather bound. You got to show it. You got to show it. If you don't show it, if it's at home. Okay. Old school. Stay old school. Say it. Okay. But if you're new school, say new school. Hold up your phone or your tablet. Yep. So if you have or have not yet, hopefully, yeah, there you leather bound, leather bound. It's got a leather bound tablet. Go to your, go to, uh, hopefully you have U version on your phone. Go, go to that, uh, uh, either the Play Store or, uh, go to the App Store, download U version, and then click on that, click on that app. Go to, there's a, there's a little side scroll, scroll on the little side, there's a little thing that says events. Click on events, type in 43609, or, ta- or type in Vision Ministries Toledo, and then you'll see a little thing pop up, it looks a little something like this, so it'll say, first world problems, and then we have notes for you, you can follow right along, and so that's something you can take home with you. Also, if you are on version, make sure that you find me and friend me, I think my username is Hester. And then, you know, it's just, this is a really cool interactive uh, Bible app that, that we enjoy using. So we are talking about First World Problems. This is our last week talking about it. Anybody, has it, anyone uh, enjoyed what we've been talking about? We've been kind of, it's been kind of lighthearted. We've been having some fun. And so we're going to have a little bit more fun here at the beginning. And so when we're talking about First World Problems, I would love to say that this was a message that was inspired by the Lord. I was on my face and praying, and the Lord like gave me this revelation and said, you're going to preach this message? No, it was not even close to anything like that. How it happened was my wife was watching a video on YouTube, and this woman was actually giving a testimony on, on how God is good and how He provides, and she was talking about how her dishwasher was broken. See, now back in the day, if the dishwasher was broken, that means the kid was sick. But see, in our day, we have dishwashers. Anybody here have a dishwasher? Yep, yep, got a dishwasher. Yeah, it's nice. So she was sharing this, she was sharing her testimony on how God miraculously provided for her dishwasher. And my wife was all into the video and, and she was like, oh, and stuff. And, and of course, I just had to be a butt. And I, and I was listening to her and I said, first world problems. <laughs> And my wife said I ruined the whole moment for her and all this other stuff. And, but, but it inspired us to talk a little bit about things that we sometimes... How many times are we bent out of shape out, out of things that are actually minuscule? When in actuality, I mean, there really are problems out there that people really legitimately have to worry about. I mean, there's people out there right now that are hunting for food and shelter and those type of things. And so, so we have problems here in America... And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Can you put up the first meme for us? Julie, this is a, maybe you've had this type of problem before. My sandwich is too big for my sandwich bag. Okay, we're not talking about the, we're not talking about the bread, you know, the, the crispy white bread that's $1.99. No, we're talking about that really nice wide loaf bread 
sometimes it'll have like some sort of like sprinkles or or seeds or something on the top and so it's nice and wide it's that expensive bread and it's all and so you put your sandwich together you try to stick it in that sandwich bag and it don't fit look at your neighbor and say this with me first world problems stupid sandwich bags need to be bigger go ahead and go to the next meme Uh uh-oh maybe you've had this problem before the card reader at the gas pump was broke I had to go inside to pay. Oh my gosh. Isn't that the worst? You get your, you get your card in there, you slide it in there, put your number in. It says, you know, fail or whatever, or, or you go up to it, <laughs> you go up to it and it's got the little sticker on it that says pay inside. You're like, man, I didn't drive here to pay inside. I drove here because I knew I didn't have to walk inside. <laughs> I, I had somebody said, well, anytime this happens, I just drive to another pump. Sometimes that works. You just drive to another pump. Other times, you got to go inside and you got to pay. Look at your neighbor and say it with me. First, First world problems. Man, what's wrong with us? Go to the next one. Broke chip in dip. Man. Sent in recon chip to save it. That broke too. Oh, my God. I mean, if you've ever been to, if you've ever been to uh, a Mexican restaurant and you get that queso dip, you know that nice white cheese gooey dip, and you put that tortilla chip in and go snap, you're like, oh man, it's, I don't want to get my finger in there and get it all cheesy. So what do you do? You get another chip, right? Stick it in there. Sometimes it happens. Snap. <laughs> Look at your neighbor. Say it with me. First world problems. They happen. They happen. Yep. Chips get stuck in dip. Go to the next meme. So you're telling me people drive places they can walk to and then walk on a treadmill. (laughs) They absolutely do. They absolutely do. Drive to Planet Fitness to walk for five miles. Yes. Absolutely do. That's right. Look at your neighbor and say it with me. First world problems. Absolutely. We got a few more. A few more. I can't hear the TV when I'm eating potato chips. Oh, you poor baby. <laughs> Usually it's not me. Usually, see, my wife and I, when we watch movies, we got, we got one of those corner couches. Anybody here have a corner couch? So we got one of them corner couches. And so we, when we lay on the couch, she lays on one side and I lay on the other. And we kind of lay like head to head. And so if we're watching a movie, it's not that I can't hear myself. It's that she can't hear over my chips. <laughs> so it's usually she's saying, honey... <laughs> You're crying. I can't hear the TV. Look at your neighbor. Say it with me. First world problems. Yeah, I eat. I eat loud. Go ahead. Go to the next one. Oh, this one's funny. All the dishes in the dishwasher are dirty, so I had to eat my waffles off of a Tupperware lid. <laughs> like man, I ain't trying to wash a new dish. That waffle's fresh and hot. You gotta grab something real quick. Tupperware lid. Bam. Let's say it together. First world problem. Go to the next one. The string on my tea bag fell into the water. Oh, man. Isn't that the worst? Water scolding hot. It falls in there, especially if you have a big cup, big long one. You know, if it's a little one right there, you can kind of scoop it in there. My wife said, well, why don't you just go get a spoon and pull it out? I'm like, yeah, that's too smart for us dudes when you're like, it's right there. You want to hurry up and grab it? Look at your neighbor say it. First world problems. One more. 
Oh no, two more. I just spent an hour straightening my hair, but now it's raining. If you have straight hair in here, you don't know these first world problems. Anybody, let's see, let's see. You got curly hair? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, raise your hand. Look at that. You know all about that. You spent an hour doing your hair and humidity got it. Man, all that work for nothing. First world problems. Next one. Dora's questions were really hard today. First world problems. Stinking Dora. One more. Last one. I think this is the last one. Go ahead. I should have pooped before I got in the shower. Oh, man. Oh. You know what's happened. Because you don't want to get out and get the floor all wet and toilet seat all wet. It's happened at least once in your life and it hasn't. You're getting old. It will happen. You're not getting younger. We're only getting older. This is a first world problem. First world problem. It's a problem. (laughs) That's probably a problem everywhere. So, you know, these are just some funny ways of us just, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that we get bent out of shape about that really are insignificant. But but here in America, America is considered a first world, meaning we, we are privileged. I mean, here in South Toledo... There is not a single day that does not go without a free meal that's, that's being offered to our community. So you literally can eat every single day if you're living in South Toledo or if you're homeless here in South Toledo. We have, we have one of the most uh, incredible um, uh, homeless... Uh, we, got, we got a few of them in our, in our city. Cherry Street Mission, Pseudo Gospel Rescue Mission. So people can have housing, some place to stay. I mean, there's, I mean, we, we do a clothing giveaway. There's, there's tons of organizations that do drives and clothes. So, so the three necessities of life, food, shelter, and clothing, those are available in prethra in our, in our country. So that's why we are a first world country. But we do have problems. They may not be what other people are dealing with. We do have problems here in America. One of the greatest problems that I believe that here in America that we have is many people don't know their identity. And so the title of this message is, Not What I Do, But Who I Am. And so we're going to talk about two different things. We're going to talk about how sometimes we can find our identity in what I do, but we're going to, but we're going to get into talking about who I am. So my prayer is that, that we would get this revelation of this, of this um, understanding of who we are in Christ. Do you know that the Scripture says that we are kings and priests? It doesn't say that, that we are, it doesn't say that we're uh, peasants and sinners. Most people, okay, check this out. If you have committed your life to Christ, meaning you're a follower of Christ, amen, are we there? Are we there? If you're, if you're new today, or maybe you're, 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 you're exploring this, you know, this journey of faith, or maybe it's your first time being in a church, or first time being in a church in, in a long time, you're, we're, we're so honored that you would be with us today. But I'm going to talk, I'm talking to the people that have made this commitment and have been kind of living this out for a while. Do you know that the scripture does not say that you're a peasant and a sinner? Actually, in the book of Revelation, it says that we are kings and priests. Do you know that? Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. It says, and they sang with a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain and have redeemed us 
to God by your blood. That's Jesus, right? Say amen. amen. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So when you are a follower of Christ, when you've been redeemed by His blood, when you've been called by His name, friends, the Scripture says that you are a king and you're a priest. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say this. For the most part, a lot of dudes know how to live like a king. I mean, think about it. I mean, there's, I mean, there's some old school saying, like I know back in the 80s they used to say it a lot, where, you know, the man walks in the house and he says, he's what? The king of the castle, the lord of the manor, those type of things. I mean, we have this understanding, you know, for the most part, if you're a guy, you know, I mean, you know that when you go home, I mean, that's your, you know, that's your place. You, a lot of times, step into that like you run the place. Not that you should, but there's this understanding, you know, I'm, you know, I mean, we understand what a king should be. But not many of us understand what a priest looks like or what a priest is. A priest in the Old Testament was a person that would stand before God, blameless, and they would give intercession or they would give prayers for others. Or they would give prayers, most likely, what the priests would do is they were praying for their country, they were praying for their people, they were standing in the gap. So the scripture says that, and there was only Levites that could be priests, so when you are committed to Christ, when you're one with Christ, the scripture says that we're a king, not a king of ourselves. Okay, we're a king's kid. We are we are of of royal descent because of Jesus, and it says, and we're priests. So, friends, why are we living like peasants and sinners if the Lord calls us kings and priests? Because how you believe about yourself is how you're going to live. How you view yourself is how you're going to live. If you believe you're not worthy, you're going to live like you're not worthy. If you believe that that you're a, that you're a, a, a you know a, a, a piece of junk that that was a that was a, a mistake, then you're going to let people trample all over you underfoot. But if you understand who you are in Christ, that you're priceless, that you're valuable, He calls you up to be a princess, a prince, a priest. Then, by God, it's time for us to start living like that. I remember a pastor friend told me a long time ago his, his redemption story and, uh, and, and at the kind of the beginning of his relationship and his walk with God, he was sitting in a, sitting in an AA meeting. And if you are familiar with that setting, if you've ever had alcohol or, or any of those, uh, type of anonymous type of, of sittings, usually they go around and they'll give their name and they usually say this thing afterwards. You know, I am so and so and I am, uh, alcoholic, right? So he was telling me a story and they went around the circle and then it was his turn. And he said, hi, I'm so-and-so and and I was an alcoholic, but now I belong to Jesus. (laughs) And of course, if you say anything like that in some of those settings, they look at you all crazy like, what? This dude, he's crazy, he's all religious and stuff. But see, he understood who he was now. Too many people associate themselves with with what they once were or what they did. And not associating themselves today with who they are in Christ. So we're talking a little bit about identity. It's not who I was or what I currently struggle with. It's who I am now. It's all about, you know, now we, we need to take ownership of our problems, okay? We can't wish them away. 
You can't just ignore them. No, deal with your situation. Deal with your problems. Man, confront. You know, the Scripture says, confess our faults once or another. Pray for one another that we'll be healed. So confess those things, man. Put it out there. Embarrass it. You know, because we all have a selfish, sinful nature that wants to have the best of us. But friends, but I'm not going to put my identity in that. I'm going to put my identity in Christ. Okay, now, again, and mind you now, we can't go around saying, okay, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. No, man, we've got to put our selfish, sinful nature to death. So you can't just be like, you know, I'm redeemed, and I'm this, that, and the other, and I'm all this stuff, and not deal with our sin. Man, we've got to deal with that inner man. That's a daily... Uh, Paul says this, it says, I, cru- I am crucified with Christ, it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So if you're a follower of Christ, then, then we have two things. Number one, our goal is to get closer to Christ. And number two, our goal is to die to ourself. That means, that means the way we want to do it, that means our, our nature. And I'll tell you, you know, if you, uh, like me, man, one of the most selfish people I know was myself when I got saved. It's hard. It's hard to say no to yourself. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's hard. Think about it. Anybody here ever fast? Was that so, was that easy? If you've ever had an easy fast, you weren't doing a hard enough fast. Well, I'm fasting from Brussels sprouts. and Everybody fasts from Brussels sprouts. What are you talking about? I'm fasting from beets and squid. You know, whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah. I'm, ba- you know, I'm fasting from pig's feet. <laughs> See, there it is. Ugh. Why? <laughs> A, fa- a real fast, a fast is you, you denying yourself or you telling yourself no to something that you normally do on a, on a daily basis, whether it's eat, TV, any of those type of things. So as, a, as a, a follower of Christ, now we're supposed to live lives where we deny ourselves, Denying your sinful nature. When that, when that old man or when that old anger wants to rise up, that you, you tell that thing no. That's what it is. That's a, but I'm getting off topic. I need, to, I need to reel myself back in here. Our new identity is to be found in Christ, friends, when we've surrendered ourselves to Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say, in Christ. In Christ. Come on. In Christ. You've got to be in Him. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you are in Christ, when you say, I'm a follower of Christ, I said yes to God, He's my King, He's my Master, He's my Redeemer, I'm going to do my best to be at your church on Sunday, I'm going to do my best to read the Bible, pray every day. What are you? A new creation! Does that mean you absolutely change overnight? Sometimes. And a lot of times, not. (laughs) It's a gradual progression of you becoming new. Like Him. That's what this, this whole journey to the end of our life, whether that's tomorrow or, or 80 years from now, is becoming like Christ. That's our goal. To become like Jesus. We're a new creation in Him. And the old has passed away, man. Jesus looks at you and He don't see that old man. He don't see that old nature. He don't see that old stuff you used to do. Ain't that good? Man, that's so good. I'm so glad for that. Love you, Lord. You're so good. Thank you, God. Some ugliness. So we're going to talk about identification. Friends, number one, it's not in what I do. (laughs) Our our identity cannot be wrapped in what we do. Do you know that as a child, you know, there's this thing inside of us that 
even as children, we are identified by what we do. Or we like to showcase our talent. I mean, think about it. When you, anybody here have kids? Oh, here we're going to go. Anybody here have grandkids? Anybody here have great grandkids? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. You Show the next meme if you can, Julie. You know, when you're, when you're a child, you like to showcase off your talents. So if you can do flips, you do flips, you can do cartwheels. You know, I mean, my, my daughter, who's 10 years old, she's 10, she ain't 2, 10 years old, you know, she's doing all of this, you know, all this acrobatic stuff where she can do all these things and flips and stuff. And so, 10 years old, she's like, I'm sitting there at the computer, I'm working, she comes walking in, I mean, she's like glued to our, she's glued to our trampoline. She's like, Daddy, watch, uh, I, I want to show you this new move I did. I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, I'll watch. He's like, no, you got to like come up and look out the door. I'm like, I can see you out the window. Uh, we're good. I'm sitting here, I can see out the window. So, so she goes out and does it, comes pounding on the window. Daddy, you see that? I said, yeah, I saw that. She comes running in. Daddy, you see that? I absolutely saw that. Let me show you something else. So then she goes running on out there, does, does this other thing, and she wants affirmation. What is she doing? She's showcasing her talent. All kids do that. Look at me. Look what I can do. Problem is, as adults, we sometimes do the same thing. We're no longer showcasing our little flips and rolls and spins and things that we can do. A lot of times people, they start showcasing their job title. Look at who I am. Look at what I've become. What are we doing? We're, we're, we're showing or we're identifying ourselves with what we are or what we do with what we are. And I, and I just want to go ahead and say this. You know what? It's almost not our fault. We've almost been conditioned to do this. How do I know? Because I do it. When you first meet someone and you walk up to them, you do what? You introduce your name. How you doing? What's the second question you ask them? What do you do? Is that not... Who, who, who in here doesn't do that? I think everybody does that. When you meet a first... What do you do? What are you doing? You want to identify that person with what they do. So I'm not saying that, that, that uh, what we're doing is wrong. We've been kind of conditioned to do this. The problem is, is when we find our identity in what we do. And there are lots of people that do that. Look at my achievements. Look at my, look at my pieces of paper. That's good. You know what? I just want to go ahead and say, be all that you can be. As, as a follower of Christ, you need to apply yourself. You've got to do it. You, the Lord wants us to provide for ourselves. He does. He wants us to, to handle our business. He, you know, I mean, the Lord wants to prosper you. All these things, yes. But we can't be so wrapped up that now I find my identity. Friends, just think about it. There are people behind pulpits that find their identity as a pastor. I'm a, you know, and so they'll, they'll throw their titles out there and, and they're, I mean, and you're at the grocery store and you're, you're talking to the clerk. I'm pastor so and so. They don't need to know all that. There's people, because of their low self-image, they find their identity in their title. They find their identity in their career. Friends, as a follower of Christ, we are called to find our identity in Christ. Not as a plumber, not as an electrician, not as a doctor, not as a lawyer, not as a pastor. Friends, if the Lord takes the ministry from me, friends, I will still be in Christ. Because before the ministry happened, it was me and Jesus. 
and, and, and if the Lord, if, if He does, then after the ministry, guess what? It's still going to be me and Jesus. Because, friends, my identity isn't in this. And that's by the grace of God. And I'm not patting myself on the back and saying, look at what I've done. No. Our identity has to be found in Him. But sometimes in the church, we still have the same attitude. We find our identity in serving and doing. And if you're a driven person, it's particularly difficult. And if you find yourself doing that, don't beat yourself up. We see it happen in the Scriptures. There's two little ladies in Luke chapter 10 named Martha and Mary. And you had one that was wrapped up in all the stuff she was doing. And then you had another that was sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? And so, so Jesus is invited into Martha and Mary's house. And Martha, being, being the awesome, hospitable woman that she is, is doing what? Taking care of all the business, right? Making sure the house is clean. Come on, some of you guys, you know this. You, you invite guests over, you're not going to have your house a mess, right? You put that, you put that little bit of extra in. Come on, you're cleaning those little extra areas that normally don't get cleaned. Mm-hmm. Come on. So she's cleaning all the house. She's making sure that everything's right where it needs to be. She's making sure that all the food is prepared. Jesus comes in there sitting, and she's doing all the work. She's serving. She's getting them drinks. She's making sure that they're, uh, you know, that they're nice and comfortable and all this other stuff. And her, and her sister is sitting there with Jesus. Now, see, I don't know about you, but in my house, that ain't happening. Because we work as a team. Martha was obviously thinking that she was going to be working as a team and realized that she wasn't working as a team. So what did she do? She did just like what little kids do. She told on her sister. She told on him. Did she not? She told on her. She came up to him and she's like, Jesus, I know you see this. I'm doing all the work. And my sister's sitting here being lazy. She ain't doing nothing. She's sitting here. This is the Josh Hester rendition. Tell her to get off her lazy butt. Come help me. What does Jesus say? He said, Martha, you're worried about many things, many troubles. He said, Mary, she's chosen the better thing, and it's not going to be taken away from her. Man, can you imagine that? You're doing all the work. You got to complain a little bit. You tell on your sister, and then Jesus smashed it down. <laughs> Dang, look at your neighbor say, ouch. That's rough. But, but Martha was what? She, was find, she found her identity in serving. So when it wasn't working out the way she expected it, she started complaining about it. Friends, that can happen to us as well. Where we, where we find our identity in doing and serving and then when things aren't working out the way that we expect them, we start complaining. All oh, that church over there on Vision Ministries, man. They don't ever call anybody. <laughs> oh, man, I, you know, I, the pastor didn't even say hi to me today. I was standing up there to get prayed for. He was praying for everybody else. He didn't pray for me. I got awful quiet up in here. See, that's truth. We showed that video. This church is about Jesus. This is His church. He's the shepherd. You've come into this house to meet with Him. Hmm. 
We have the privilege of blessing you, praying for you, walking alongside you, but you came here for Him today, friends. So if, so if a man that's in this house makes a mistake, didn't greet you, didn't say hi to you, was busy doing stuff and rushing and trying to get things together at the beginning of service and wasn't able to greet you, I apologize. But friends, as that video we just showed, this is an imperfect church. We are imperfect. We're going to make flaws. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to miss, we're going to miss hospital visits. But our identity has to be found in Him. And when those things happen, then it's all good. It's all good. The Marthas in the kingdom, the laborers, friends, we need those. If everybody was Marys, then nothing would get done. (laughs) I want to be a Mary. Yes, be a Mary. Sit before the feet of Jesus, but also be a Martha. Get some stuff done. (laughs) Do some stuff. Look at your neighbor and say this with me. Say, do some stuff. For the kingdom. Yeah, for the kingdom. Come on. For the kingdom. Do some stuff. We got, there are multiple, multiple. And I just want to say again, can we give a round of applause to everybody here that serves at Vision Ministries? Can we just give a round of applause? We got people right now, check this out, right now, as you're sitting in service, that are back there that are serving your kids, loving on them, teaching them about Jesus, blessing them, praying for them. You know, as you're sitting in service, you don't have to worry about uh, different things because we got people that are walking around the facility. They're walking out in the, in the parking lot, making sure people ain't breaking into your car. I mean, I, this is the truth. Come on. This is the day and age we live in. We got people that are serving right here, right now, so that you can receive. That's amazing. We need, we need Marthas. Amen. We need them. Thank you for the Marthas. Number two. Friends, our identity cannot be found in what we do. Please. Please don't identify yourself with, with what you do. You'll, you'll find yourself unfulfilled your whole life. Because when you think you arrived, you'll realize you really didn't arrive. And there'll be something else. Jim Carrey said this, and it's, I, I can't quote this, but I know it's something like this. He said, people think fame and fortune, you know, that's, the, you know, that, that's what makes people happy or that's what satisfies. He said this, he said, I wish every person could for one day they could experience fame and fortune to realize that it's not everything. It comes from a person that's a millionaire. So if, you, if millions was your goal, the people that have millions realize that's not the best goal to have. Number two, who I am. Friends, it's about who we are, not what we can do or not what we do. It's who you are to God, then what you can do for Him. Or what I like to say is what you can do with Him. Two precedes four. So who you are to God before what you can do for Him. Or what you can do with Him. Our identity needs to be found as a child of God. Like the song that that we sing in one of my favorite songs, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. What are you doing? You're prophetically declaring who you are in Christ. It's It's not a good song. It is a good song. It's not just a good song. You're speaking the word of the Lord. You're declaring what the word says about you. It's a powerful prophetic declarative statement. I'm no longer a slave to whatever it might be. I mean, do you know there are so many scriptures that talk about what we receive or who we are in Him or what we are to God? Do you know that? Do you know there there are multiple, multiple 
verses that talk about this about this thing. But before we get into that, I just want to reiterate our relationship to Him. And this is what's so amazing. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it talks about us being adopted into His family. And it says, God decided in advance. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Christ Jesus. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Hold on there for a second. Do we really have a concept of what, of, of what God, of, of His ultimate, infinite being really is? Just one little point here. The Scripture says that God, say God, God. He measures the span of the universe in His hand. Scientifically, we cannot measure the universe. It's ever-expanding. They say that it's infinite. And the Scripture says that God measures it. Has anyone ever seen the movie Horton Hears a Who? Sorry, I'm a parent. All my kids have watched that movie. It's about this elephant that gets this flower, and on this flower is a speck. And And on that speck is another speck. And there's a whole town, there's a whole, there's a whole people group that live on the speck that's, that's in the speck, that's on the flower that the elephant is holding. When you look at the universe, when you look at us, and, you know, go to where you can see, you know, the Heli's telescope, or if go down to the Creation Museum and, and, and see one of those stargazer planetariums where you realize that you're a speck inside of a speck inside of a speck. And the scripture says this God, this ultimate, amazing, infinite God decided to bring you into his family. And it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure to bring you into his family. Somebody needs to say amen. That's a good place to say amen. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 18. He goes on further. He doesn't just adopt us into his family. He says, I will be your father. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Let's bypass the fact that we may never have had a good father figure in our life or a good mother figure in our life or our parents suck or whatever that might be or you had the most amazing parents. Father God, who loves you so very much, decided to adopt you into his family and call you his son and call you his daughter if you're a follower of Christ. That's a powerful, incredible, amazing thing. When you wrap your head around that and wrap your head around how big he is and how infinite he is, I mean, you could sit there and think about that for the rest of your life. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Again and again. Another scripture says we call him Abba Father. So many different scriptures that bring our identification as a son or a daughter of God. Friends, again, I want to reiterate, it's not about what you do or what you can do or, or, or what your job title is or what a career path you chose or if you don't have a career or any of these things. It's not about any of that. Our identity needs to be in who we are to Christ. Do you know that in Him, the Scripture says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that we are the righteous of God? It also says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that we're a royal priesthood. 
It says in John chapter 15, verse 15, that we are a branch. John chapter 15, verse 15, and he also calls us a friend. Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says we are heirs with Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, Ephesians 1, 1, Philippians 1, 1, Colossians 1, 2, it says we are saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says we are new creatures. We just talked about this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 21, it says we are one a body, we're one in Him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says that we are no longer slaves. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1, 4, Colossians 3, 12, 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, it says you are chosen. You're not a mistake, you were chosen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says we are seated in high places. Ephesians chapter 2, 6 also says that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we are complete, complete in Him. Colossians chapter 1, or Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says we are raised up. He raises us up. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says we are created in the image of God. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says we're His craftsmanship. Philippians 3, 20 says we are citizens of heaven. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 2, verse 10 says we are made alive in Christ. Friends, there are so many scriptures that talk about who we are in Him. It is a fatal thing. That we walk in defeat every day. Because many of us don't know who we are in Christ. We don't know who we are in Christ. Friends, perception is everything. Do you know that? That's why, that's why the whole sermon series, First World Problems, because man, sometimes people just need a better perspective. Perception is everything. That's why it's not by accident this... Ministry is named Vision Ministries. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. So God planted vision here, South Toledo, and now also in Waterville, to help keep people from perishing. So that life can be breathed into you, into me, into this neighborhood, into our families. So that we can see Jesus. So that we can see ourselves the way God sees us. Friends, if we're new to this faith, then my my encouragement is that you press on to be found in Him. Press on to be found in Him. You know, there's this quote from Superman, Returns. I know it's not some of people's favorite movie. There's a lot of people that are fans of the old Superman, Christopher Reeve, back in the 80s. And then they did a reboot. Back in the early 2000s, there's some people, they're not a, not a big fan. <laughs> I don't know, I like Superman, so. There's this, there's this little dialogue that him and Lois Lane have, and I, I quoted it because I, I think it's such a powerful statement. It's all about perception. It's all about perspective. And so can you put that, can you put that uh, quote up there for me, please? So, a little history, so... In, in uh, Superman Returns, what happened was, it's supposed to be like in between Superman 2 and 3, and Superman, for five years, he left. He went to go visit his home planet, Krypton, and obviously it was exploded or whatever, so he was gone for five years, comes back. So Lois writes this article about how the world doesn't need him, all this other stuff. So we have this dialogue, okay? And this is what she says, Lois Lane. She says, I moved on, so did the rest of us. That's why I wrote it. The world doesn't need a Savior, and neither do I. 
Superman says, it says, listen, what do you hear? Lois Lane says nothing. So Superman says, next one, please. He says, I hear everything. You wrote that the world doesn't need a savior. But every day, I hear people crying out for one. Perception, perspective. You know, there are people, they think they know better. They have the wrong perspective. The scripture says, all of creation groans and waits that the sons of God might be revealed. The world is crying out for Savior. The world's crying out for the Lord. And the best representation of Jesus is us. We're the best representation. Friends, so we need to be men and women who know our identity. Who walk in what God has called us to walk in. Not being deceived, not walking in deception, not trying to seduce or manipulate people. But just loving God, loving people, and being the best representation of Christ. Because the world needs it. The world is crying out. We have a lot of job, we have a lot of work to do. There's a big job ahead of us. Would you stand on your feet with me today? You know, one of the key, key tactics of the enemy is to have people walk in such defeat. They walk in such defeat that they feel unusable or unable because they're not perfect. Friends, there ain't a single person in this room that's perfect. There's one that's perfect, it's Jesus. But if I get my life together, you know, see, this is the problem. You can't get your life together. You've been trying. It ain't working. So you just say yes to God. Let Him get your life together. I didn't start getting my act together. I surrendered my life, and He started getting my act together. That's a pretty good formula, if you ask me. I believe that there's multiple people in here that need to, they need to surrender their old identity. They need to surrender who they were. They need to surrender who they're trying to be. They need to surrender that identity. And they need to take up the identity as a Christ follower, as a, as a, as a, a Christian, Christ-like, as a son of God, a child of God. And walk in that. And know that the spiritual blessings that the Lord hands to us that we can walk in victory every day. Do you know that the Lord has equipped you to walk in victory every day? Do you know that? He's giving you the keys of the kingdom that whatever you might bind on earth, you may bind in heaven. Whatever you might loose on earth, may loose in heaven. The devil ain't stronger than Jesus. And you have the power of the resurrection Savior living inside of you. And you don't have to give in to his schemes and his tactics and his deceptions. But, no, but understanding this, he's crafty and he's keen and he's quick. He can make some of the strongest men fall. 
He's been ruining dynasties and kingdoms for thousands of years. He's good at what he does. So that's why the scripture says, it says that we are to be as, as, um, what's the word? You know, wise as serpents, or, you know, we're supposed to be, uh, you know, yeah, discerning. Yeah, yeah. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you love us. And Father, you love this world, God. You love your creation. And God, we thank you that you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Your word says that. 